Hello and welcome to Call Me By Your Game, the podcast where I, your host, Connor McCabe, bring on a guest to talk about a video game that is special to them and why. On the show, we'll talk as much about what made playing that game fun, special, and memorable as we will about the context around how they fell in love with the game for the first time. Or at least, that's what we normally do on the show. I waited until November to get a creepy vibe. A little bit of housekeeping up top is that you should definitely check us out and interact with us on social media. You can find us on Instagram at Call Me By Your Game Pod. You can give us a follow, like our beautiful photos, learn about our guests, see what is coming up for the show. You can also find us on Twitter at Call Me By Your Game. Pretty simple, right? Except there's a twist. There's just one Y. So that's B Y O U R on Twitter. Um, you know, the full name, call me by your game, but just the one Y. Uh, and there you can see a lot of the same and keep up with us. You can give our uh, guests a follow, see how you can support them and and support the show and uh, learn even more uh, about this whole operation that we've got here. Um, and if you're looking to support the show, you can do that in a few ways. You can, of course, leave us a rating and review on the Apple Podcast Store, preferably one of the five-star variety. And if you do so, and it's not uh, bigoted or hateful or anything, then I will read it on the show. We got a couple of wonderful reviews recently, so I got to read those, uh, which was great. So thank you uh, to our most recent reviewers for doing so. Um, That goes a long way to make us more visible. We want more people to enjoy what you, the listener, are enjoying here today. You can also share the show with a friend. If you have a friend who likes video games, someone in your life who enjoys those gosh darn electronic interactive things, then you should share this show with them. Uh, Especially if I do an episode about a game that is near and dear to their heart or a guest that you think was extra fun and interesting to hear from. Definitely share this around. Uh, You can also support us on Patreon. I've talked about it a decent amount on the show, but I'm never sure if... The listener understands just how much we've got going on over there. You can support us at patreon.com slash super NPC radio, as in non-player character, because we have uh, just a bevy of bonus content there every week. Um, You've got the weekly shows Super NPCs hosted by me and producer of this show, Jeremy Schmidt, where we discuss a video game topic of our choosing each week um that's available at every tier uh you can also find a bonus episode of this show monthly the call me by your game co-op episode where i sit down with a panel of people and discuss a game that is near and dear to our hearts or that we found particularly interesting um we've got about 16 episodes in the bank so even if you just decide you want to subscribe for a month if that's all you can really do at the ten dollar dj toad tier then you get access to all of those you can listen to them and uh, you'll have a good time we've recently done episodes on super metroid the logical journey of zumbinis and even death loop uh there's also the legend of zelda games club which we have recently wrapped up we did our final episode on the legend of zelda a link between worlds it was our book club style show where we uh myself and jeremy schmidt essentially alternated 
hosting uh, panel episodes on the entire Legend of Zelda series with a couple of exceptions like Triforce Heroes and Four Swords Adventures that we didn't have access to. Um, but yeah, there's about 16 episodes up there too, and we're going to be doing a wrap-up soon. A few of those are free in this feed, uh, throughout have been free throughout the last year, so you can check those out. And uh, But yeah, all that is available now over there and uh, even more than I just named. Um, yeah, um, that will do it for the housekeeping for this episode of Call Me By Your Game. And normally this is the point where I would introduce your wonderful guest for the week. But this is a throwback. I haven't done one of these in a while, almost two years, I want to say. Um, when we first launched the show, I think it, it was week of Thanksgiving 2019. So I think like four or five episodes in, we had, uh, we, I mean me, I decided to do a holiday episode where I discussed some of my favorite holiday gaming memories. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, I can't remember all that I talked about on that episode, but it, uh, I'm sure I talked about a bunch of Zelda stuff, some plane rides probably, but it was great. And it was just me, uh, at least I think, sure like to think so. It was just me discussing with myself uh, at my old apartment um, some of my, yeah, exactly what I just said. I also will occasionally do episodes where I don't just have a guest. We did a springtime gaming episode last year that Jeremy joined me for. Um, we've also uh, done just a number of different fun variations. On this episode, I decided that it was time for me to talk to the listener, or really myself, and just uh, give you a little peek behind the curtain, um, at least of what's going on in my video game life and some stuff that I've been enjoying. I feel like I'm building this up like it's some grand reveal or I have some huge news to share. I do not. <laughs> I do not have any crazy news to share. I was just thinking that it's quite rare on this show that I really share much about myself. I mean, on many, almost every episode, especially if I can... Uh, talk about my experience with the game or, or discuss with a guest maybe something that I uh, appreciated about a certain title or an experience. I'll do that. Um, but in and on the co-op episodes, if you're you know part of the our Patreon community, you'll know that I, I mean, I'm a big part of those episodes. I also will share as much as the guests will. But even with that in mind, I was thinking it'd be fun to uh, give, you know, you, the listener, maybe someone who... Who knows in the near in the in the deep future uh, is you know maybe going through this show's catalog and wants to hear a little bit more from me about my gaming experiences both um, you know past and present and then this is going to be exactly what that is I'm I'm looking at this and titling it uh, my autumn video game check in or autumn gaming check in I just sort of wanted to just talk about some things I've been thinking of, some experiences that I've had this year in the gaming sphere with different sorts of genres and titles, um, and just, yeah, chat a little bit about it and just some things I've been thinking about. I um, just thought that would be kind of fun, and uh, and of course it is because there's no one to tell me it's not because it's just me on this one, folks. Um so yeah, I don't know exactly how this is going to go. I've, I've written out a few uh, topics, just some bullet points, some stuff I want to discuss. If you've been listening to um, our show, this show or other shows on our network, then you'll um, have heard some of my thoughts on this 
this year. Um, but yeah, it'll we'll, we'll see how it goes. Should be fun. Um, anyway, the first thing that I wanted to talk about is uh no should will be no surprise to anyone is the Legend of Zelda. Um, not the series as a whole, because of course we've got all that stuff coming up in our wrap-up episode of the Legend of Zelda Games Club. However, I wanted to just sort of take a little dive back into, as the year has gone on, as it's been, I mean, at this point, like, what is it, eight, nine months since I, actually nine or ten months since I finished the first Zelda game, I've just had a lot of time to think about it, and especially, you know, that being the first one that I played all year, and eventually played like 12 or so, I... Uh, it's it's just interesting to look back on that game with much more experience behind me at this point. Um, for those of you who aren't aware, uh, I had never finished that game uh, before this year. It was the first game that I hosted, uh, well, the first episode that I hosted for the Legend of Zelda Games Club, not counting the Breath of the Wild co-op episode that we had done the year before, was on uh, the OG Legend of Zelda, 1986, for the Nintendo Entertainment System, and I talk about that a lot on the episode, how I had never finished it, um, nor had I even really been eager to try it too much, or like get deep, or spend really any time with it, um, for a few reasons. I mean, that game, you know, as many games from the era do, not a lot of them hold up super well. At least this is my personal opinion. Um, nor are they super accessible or in, or as engaging as a modern game, which you know, of course, that's to be expected. Uh, we've had thirty five years of advances in video game design and philosophy. Uh, I would hope that there would have been some improvements made on uh, that first game and games of the era. That being said. I still look back, you know, nine, ten months later at that as possibly my most special gaming memory of the entire year. Um, And I think that was able to happen for me for a few reasons. One is that as we've gone through the Zelda series this year and, you know, Jeremy and I have been playing these games. I'm sure this is something we're going to talk about. On that wrap-up episode, but I sort of—I'm going to try to keep it focused on the original Zelda game. Um, we have had many deadlines to meet. You know, we have six, been thankfully lucky to meet every single weekly deadline. Uh, well, excuse me, bi-monthly deadline. So twice a month, we've had these episodes come out on our Patreon at the ten-dollar DJ Toad tier. This whole episode is just going to probably sound like an ad for the Patreon, but hey, you know, if you like the show check it out. Um, there's some really great stuff over there. It's definitely worth it, but, um, (laughs) starting, starting to sound planned. Um, we've had these deadlines to meet for our amazing patrons. Um, and we want to, you know, make sure that if they are giving us money, that we are meeting deadlines and putting forth, uh, as quality of work as we can muster at the time. And because of that, several games have been, you know, I think the experience with them has, have suffered, the experiences have suffered in some ways, uh, you know, because 
there have been times where we've either had like Jeremy maybe had back-to-back episodes or I've had back-to-back episodes and you just don't have the time to really sit with the game and let it ruminate and to really uh, um, just let it just soak in what that experience is. Not that every game needs to be played over a month, maybe a month and a half with, you know, consistent attention and focus. But I think that especially playing some of these games, the games in this series, um, the ones that are less linear, the ones that have puzzles that are more difficult to suss out, um, those that even maybe waste your time a little bit, as we found not all of them are as respectful of your time. Um, you just, you're just going to have a completely different experience trying to play it for a deadline. It, we would have probably, I, I, I'd be willing to bet that even though I th- there were definitely a handful of games I played for the first time this year, um, or maybe the second time and it had been years. So I wasn't, you know, didn't know them like I knew some of these games. Um, yeah, I'm sure my experience would have been different and I would have felt differently about it. And that's probably how what's going to happen when I revisit these games years down the road because uh, I'm not planning on playing any Zelda games for a while um, unless it's one that I didn't even touch. And even then, I'm just a little uh, not necessarily burnt out on my favorite franchise, uh, but I'm just ready for more fresh experiences. So that was a really long-winded way to say that I was very lucky to have essentially two and a half, nearly three full months of lead up before recording the first episode of the series, the first one we did this year on The Legend of Zelda. I gave myself that time because I knew what was coming for me. I knew that I was looking at an extended experience that was, if I you know didn't want to use a walkthrough, which I didn't um, want to do that at all, uh, I didn't want to spoil anything for myself. I wanted to try to emulate that original experience that I was going to need that time. Um, And I think the reason that it ended up being so incredibly special and fun uh, and challenging was because I not only did I get to emulate that original experience by discovering just about everything for myself with a few exceptions, I had the time that people would have had when they would have been playing the first Zelda game uh, for the first time. I mean, 35 years ago, a very tiny fraction of the games existed that compared to what exists now, people had less options. Um, I'm sure even the way people consumed games were completely different or purchased them. And uh, it wasn't like today where you have freaks like me who are not only trying to play some new games, but we're diving into old games and I'm get occasionally getting a game a few times a year off of eBay or visiting a retro store and trying new stuff out, dipping in, dipping out. So yeah, it, I just had the time and that was so special. Um, so if, if anybody's listening and didn't listen to that, uh, Legend of Zelda episode, which that whole thing is available on this feed. Um, if you look back in, I want to say it's like March or April when that first one, well, when that one came out, uh, Definitely worth listening to. But yeah, I would encourage you, if you're interested in playing the OG Zelda, give yourself time. Give yourself time to fail in that game. Otherwise, it's just not going to be a very fun experience, which because previously when I played that game, I did not like it very much. And, you know, with hindsight, 
it's not surprising why, having had the chance and the time to go through that game. So, yeah, um, I just wanted to sort of uh, let my thoughts wander a little more and sort of discuss that particular thing about that game. Um, but yeah, highly recommend it. It's, if you have the Nintendo Switch Online package, it's available for free on the NES library. They also have like a special version that I think gives you everything, which is really fun to toy around with. But, you know, if you want to give this a shot, it's still not going to be for everyone. I think uh, even with, if you take the approach that I did and have that patience, um, which I do not have for every game, yeah, it's not going to be for everyone. Um, the next thing I wanted to talk about was, uh, was there, I've got a few games on, on a little list that I wrote down here that I want to discuss. Um, one of which is Super Mario 3D World a game you probably didn't hear me talk about at all on this podcast. Maybe if, if you're a listener to Super NPCs, um, you know, at any tier of the, at any tier of the Patreon, then you probably heard a few of my thoughts, maybe even on an episode of Video Games, a comedy show. I possibly discussed it there. I, I also may have not. But what a wonderful game that is turns out uh, a mainline mario game pretty freaking fun uh and who would have thought that me who's enjoyed every mario game i've ever played as far as the 2d and 3d platformers go that i would have liked it but turns out it's great it's not that it's one of my favorite experiences i for whatever reason am particularly drawn to the um more of the you know, it's called 3D World. You technically are moving in, I don't know, eight, could move in eight different directions. Um, it's not a 2D side-scroller exclusively. Uh, if you know the game, you know it's more of like, it's not isometric necessarily, but it's a it's a cross between the 3D third-person exploring exploration-focused games and the 2D side-scrollers. But um, all that being said, it's just such an incredible experience it's really challenging um especially after the main game uh like a lot of mario games have like it's it's almost it's like own star road as far as the difficulty and the challenge gets after the beginning or the, the excuse me the i guess the main campaign that you have um i played most of it by myself i played a little bit with my friend matt apodaca who you've um who was on this show, an early episode that we actually did a re-release recently. Um, we discussed this game because we played it a little bit like the weekend it came out, but it would have been fun to play with other people for sure, but I ended up having a really nice solo experience. I played it when it first came out on the Switch. I missed it completely on the Wii U, um, but when uh, 3D World Deluxe Plus Bowser's Fury came out, I purchased it that weekend, uh, must have played it for a week or two, maybe got to World 3, and then I actually ended up dropping off of it until, I want to say, August of this year. I just don't know what it was. Maybe I had a little, little bit of a game hole, or I was looking for a fresh experience, you know, being in the middle of Zelda all year, but I ended up uh, jumping back in, and then I really didn't stop. I just played it all the way through, played every single level um, in the main campaign at least, uh, I didn't even, you know, push myself to get three stars on every level. I would just go through it once and almost for every level, I would just go through once and just see what I could get. I would challenge myself to try to get three stars. If I saw 
there would be the occasion if the level was fun enough in my pers- in my opinion and if I was encouraged to that I would actually redo it and try to get the all three green stars um it was really fun too because I ended up switching up which characters I was using I would use like Mario for a while and then Toad and then Luigi and then I ended up finishing the game out with Peach cuz yeah even before they're like champions road it is pretty tough the last few levels um but man what a really fun experience and i have to say like i absolutely judged it before i played it you know being a fan of the 3d like third person perspective mario games and the freedom that you have in those even though you know even the galaxy games are really level based sunshine similar thing if you get a star you get bounced out of the level odyssey is really my jam even if you know there are some even some aspects of that game that i would have preferred to be slightly different but yeah i really judged 3d world and turns out it's fantastic i've yet to even turn on bowser's fury i plan to um if I actually get around to it someday, that may be a game we do for a co-op episode at some point, potentially next year. Um, but uh, that is not in the plans currently. But yeah, just, I mean, if you, so if I would say if you're someone like me who prefers a Mario 64, Odyssey, the Galaxy games, even Sunshine to the more recent 2D experiences or even... If you played like 3D Land, which is I think my least favorite Mario game, but I know for some people that's like top of the top for them. Um, and I don't get me wrong, still still enjoyed it. Just kind of like my least favorite Zelda game is still going to be pretty good in my eyes. Um, for the most part, uh, yeah, I would encourage you to give it a shot. Um, play with a friend if you can. I think that's really fun experience. Um, Nate, it's it was just more enjoyable for me to play that with a buddy, at least part of that, than doing it solo but yeah it's you know just a game that I wanted to bring it up because uh it was just one I passed judgment on and ended up being surprised when I really gave it the time uh really really solid entry in the Mario series um another game that I played this is a while back now this is like June July for me when I played this you would have maybe not hear me discuss it at all on this show again um because I'm truly unless like a, sh- a person is coming on to talk about a game that I've played in recent memory I'm not going to talk about it and oftentimes that doesn't happen <laughs> uh, especially games that are you know released new I mean or have new releases are rarely discussed on this show we've done it before it's more of a co-op thing we'll talk about a game that's been out recently that a bunch of people played but that game was the first in the Mass Effect trilogy. Uh, I, of course, knew about this series since it came out. I think the first one in 2007. I've always had friends who've really enjoyed them. I remember um, a dear friend of the show, Eddie Martin, really enjoying that. Um, you know, I think a couple years maybe after it came out. And I remember him just walking me through what he really liked about it, what was cool in the universes and all the choices you could make. And yeah, I just never ever got around to it, partly because I didn't get a non-Nintendo console until, or keep a non-Nintendo console until the Xbox 360 in fall of 2012, which could have totally played it on that. (laughs) Um, 
But yeah, I just never played it. But when it was coming out for the uh, with the Legendary Edition, the trilogy that was, um, you know, I guess remastered is probably the best way to describe that trilogy. Um, I was super interested and was like really caught up in the hype. I think I listened to a lot of podcasts that were discussing it and um, were really excited for its return and it sounded interesting. And I also, you know, it came as a nice break from Zelda for me this year. It's going to be probably a common theme in this episode. Um, so that was so much fun. I got it a few weeks after it came out. I took truly like a month and a half to just slowly go through that game. Um, I probably would have been quicker if I wasn't, you know, needing to dedicate time to the Zelda series. Um, but I got it for the PS4 and I played it on the PS5 because for some reason they didn't come out with a PS5 version. Um, really perplexing. But dang, that game ended up being so cool. And I think one of the more incur- even one of the most exciting things about it for me, having finished that first game now, um, which I think I played for like must have done for like 30 something hours, um, which was actually way shorter than I was expecting, and I'm really grateful for that. Was one of the more exciting things was hearing from people like my friend uh, Mike Steele um, about how the game, the trilogy, the game, the series just gets so much better after that. Um, I know most people I feel like that I have heard talk about the series have a preference for the second game. Um, I really don't know how people feel about the third, um, but I usually most things I've heard is that just about everything in that first game is improved upon in the second, especially like the combat is one thing that I do remember hearing consistently. And I actually like was totally cool on the combat. Once I got used to it, it was a little hard for me to get used to, but once I did, it was really fun. And I like found my lane. I would focus on, um, I was a, a rifle person just trying to snipe people from long distances, but you know, of course had a strategy for most moments um there was also so much about the game that i didn't understand uh exactly how things worked like uh like upgrading things were was a little confusing to me the grenade system i didn't understand or i would accidentally use um but it ended up being so much fun and i completed almost every quest in that game there were i think a couple loose ends that i ended up not tying up because by the time I I had gotten to the end game. I was just ready to be done. I had really taken my time and tried to just clear out almost everything, but there were just a few quests that were going to take a lot more effort that I was like, you know what? I Or they were going to be, I think it was maybe more of a tedious thing that I just, you know. If you like role-playing games where, and what, I truly don't remember playing a game where I felt... Not only like I had a lot of agency over my character and their place in the world, Skyrim gives you a lot of that, but it's different being in a third person perspective and not hearing your voice. Whereas when you're playing Shepard and I went with like classic um, Fem Shep, uh, shout out to incredible, I mean, just like the goat video game voice actor, Jennifer Hale, um, shout out to you, uh, because I know you're a listener. Um, I went with that because I wanted to get that experience, um, even with the first game. And it really just, you really feel like you are affecting the world 
and you really feel responsible, at least I did, felt responsible for the decisions I was making, the ways I was talking to people um, and characters and the choices I made was really fun. I ended up, I would actually say one thing that was a bummer about it, there were a couple things that I didn't necessarily, they're not issues that I had, but I think things that I would have liked to see them iron out a little better was I never got to the point where I had any special powers because you can, on the morality scale or the slider, you can either be, I can't remember if it's like what the two things are called, but it's the good or bad scale is I'll call it. I think one is like renegade. I think that's a bad one. Um, but if to actually unlock special abilities, as far as I know, you have to lean far down one of those tracks. And I ended up leaning kind of like going in the middle ground. I like didn't put up with shit at some points, but I was mostly good. I want to say, and because of that, I never got like to use any of the cool powers, which was, um, a big bummer. Another thing that I would say was a little, not frustrated, I don't know how to describe it, but when you have so many dialogue options in conversations with different characters that you meet, and sometimes it would be completely clear, like, oh, this is the option that's, and not that I just want like a, oh, this is the good option, or this is the bad option, or I need to know what's going to happen when I make this choice. I don't need that. I can, it's kind of fun to, that's part of the excitement with these things is living with the consequences of your choices. Um, in an RPG like this, you have so much agency over. The frustrating thing was I'd be like, oh, I think I know what this choice is based on the like abbreviated text they give me. And then it would be completely different or Shepard would have like, I would want Shepard to be maybe like a little more empathetic towards a character and they would be like, sar- like sarcastic or rude or brash or vice versa, or maybe I would try to be that way, and then they'd be more empathetic. And that was, you know, a little... I wish they would have ironed that out a little bit. It's not like it ruined or tainted my experience at all. It was awesome. So cool to play one of those. And just really, when I feel like it, probably not this year, maybe next year or the year after, when I feel like playing Mass Effect Part 2, that's going to be even more awesome. Um... What else do I want to discuss? Uh, I guess I'll just throw my two cents in about the uh, Nintendo Switch Online service and and just Nintendo in general. It's, uh, you know, I've talked about this on the show before. I think about a year ago we had, I had, there was, I was looking into some really suspect practices by Nintendo, not just with the consumer, but just wondering, like, looking into whether or not they, you know, they have all these business principles and practices in place because I think they used to, like, use uh, slave labor for the production of some of their products. And there was some question as to whether or not they actually did because they have these policies that, like, say that they have these, like, oversight groups in order to make sure this doesn't happen. But I could, like, never get a definitive answer to whether that was successful or not. And I remember I, like, spent hours, hours on the phone with Nintendo of America last year just trying to, like, get an answer from someone. And, of course, that's not something they're going to give an answer to some schlub like me calling in. But so there's there's those sorts of issues with Nintendo that it's, like, uh, I wish we would have a little more transparency and clarity here. 
But kind of in line with, you know, a lot of Nintendo's practices, transparency is uh, quite the opposite of the name of the game. And it's really interesting to be four years deep in the Nintendo Switch's life. Uh, the console that, you know, is on its way to being one of the best-selling consoles of all time. I mean, I think it's already up there, but it could eventually, at the end of its life cycle, be the best-selling console of all time. Nintendo's most successful. Their software sales are crazy. It seems like every franchise that releases, at least Nintendo first-party franchise, that releases a game on this system ends up being their best-selling and even some of their best titles in the series. I mean, having just finished Metroid Dread, which I might get into a little Metroid talk at the end of this episode too if I have time, um, having uh, played that game, I mean, like, it's up there as far as, like, I think that could be their best game in the entire series, potentially. I, you know, to each their own, but, like, for me, it really thread the needle of, well, this is Metroid talk right now, of uh, what I love, loved about the different 2D Metroid games. It seemed to do just about everything that I really liked from each one, like or the, like if there was an aspect about this one, oh, they got the the combat and the bosses right, or like in line from what I loved about Samus Returns on the 3DS, but it feels like exploratory in nature, like Super Metroid, and they, they really got an atmosphere, like Fusion, it, it was just fantastic. But looking at their software, it's like, wow, potentially the best, uh, in most cases, like Pokemon, I would say not even close. I think Sword and Shield are embarrassing, um, to be honest with you. But uh, yeah, they've just had an extreme amount of success. They are riding as high as ever. Their brand is super strong. They are, they're in the successful Nintendo position that they have been in time and time again, you know, maybe early on in the Wii's life cycle, uh, during the Super Nintendo and the NES, uh, their heyday. But, you know, unfortunately, when they do this, they, um, when they are successful, they know they don't need to do things the right way, and they don't consider the consumer or their people who support them as much as I would like. Um, and just looking at the last few years, it's really been just absolutely disheartening i mean i could go on and on about the new expansion to the nintendo switch online and on one hand it's 50 dollars a year for a for the expansion total so that that's everything also comes with animal crossing the animal crossing dlc that is brand new it comes with an, a, a handful of n64 games finally some sega genesis games which are an incredible surprise and adding on, to, you know, on top of online capabilities and the NES and SNES libraries. So that's 50 bucks for the year. Not bad, not great, but not awful either. Um, truly, because 50 bucks divided over 12 months. I mean, we're looking at very little dollars here per month that you're actually spending. Um I mean, that's less than $5 a month. That's that's nuts. Uh, and, you know, I think if you, yeah, if you look at the package, it's like, great, that value is there. Frustrating thing there for me is uh, how awful most of the N64 games run or look uh, on that. There's no, like, Nintendo will probably come out with this 
months down the road after you want it, but there's no like button mapping options for that to either. Um, people are having serious issues playing online with others. It's, you know, frustrating. And it seems like all of Nintendo's, the things that don't affect their bottom line, Nintendo really puts by the wayside like that, how they've had awful servers for, um, their online service in general for years. I guess it's supposedly better now that they have new servers for the first time in like 20 years, um, for anything Nintendo. Uh, that's really frustrating. And I truly don't mean to get on such a negative tangent, but it's just something that I want to, that I feel like is important for us to be discussing because I am so satisfied by the games they're putting out. I love their products, but it's, I really find a lot of their practices disgusting and frustrating and just with a lack of humanity. I mean, even looking at the Joy-Con, man, like they created a controller that whether or not it was deliberate, which I do not mean to be conspiracy theory guy because I don't think that it was deliberate, but I don't know. If you're a company looking for people to spend more money and your controllers don't work, people are going to have to spend more money to play your games uh, on these controllers. So yeah, this is the Joy-Con thing and, you know, not taking accountability for it. And, and yeah, they've got like, you can get them fixed for free, but like they've not said whether or not this is going to be an issue moving forward with, you know, their sticks on their controllers, uh, specifically the Joy-Con style ones, it's just, man, it hurts. And it's just one of those things. They are doing so well. They don't need to uh, do the right thing. It's also why we don't have a virtual console because a virtual console, a store where you can spend five bucks, between five and 10 bucks on a Nintendo game and have it forever is not as profitable as just having an online subscription service where people pay year in and year out for it. And they don't own it, so they have to keep paying that in order to play that game unless you have uh, an old title you know, in your retro collection. Like, I'm fortunate to have a solid retro collection of the, most of the games I really enjoy, but not all of them. And But not everybody has that privilege or that access, and it sucks that like so much of their stuff is not accessible. So I th- I'm sure there was there was actually like another arm of this that I wanted to discuss, but, um, I can't remember exactly what it was, but gosh, I'm just, yeah, it's, it's just frustrating to see. Um, but it comes as no surprise because this is kind of who they've always been. Um, so to get off such like a, uh, a negative, um, tangent there, uh, the last thing I sort of feel like discussing today is, uh, well, a couple things. One, um, I want to talk about how much fun I've just had with the Metroid series this year, a series that before I had only ever played uh, all the way through one game, which was Metroid Fusion. I did that in 2019. I have a Game Boy Advance copy that I had gotten off eBay. I'm pretty sure it's legit, but it's a little hard to tell. Uh, I just took a sip of LaCroix, and that was delicious. Um, And I needed it because I was parched. Uh, But Fusion is just so fantastic. But I had always had trouble poking around in, like, Super Metroid, never played Samus Returns. Well, actually, I had Samus Returns, and I never really played much past that either, past, like, the first three hours. Um, But now, having gotten in such a Metroid groove, finishing Super Metroid, Samus Returns, and Metroid Dread in the past, like, 
two months, all, all three games. Man, I just love that series, and I and I love the different elements of it. I love Samus Aaron. She is just like, even though you don't hear from her almost at all, she's just become one of my favorite Nintendo characters. I love the combat. I love the exploration. Um, the atmosphere is just so fantastic in this series. Um, and I will, I'm planning on discussing Metroid Dread in a larger capacity pretty soon on this network. Um, but gosh, I just think it's just such a satisfying format, um, to, you know, poke around, get rewarded for your curiosity and your determination, uh, and to just the discoveries you make. There's so much dang fun. Um, yeah. And like I've already talked about, Dread was just like a culmination of all those things for me. I think, Right now, if I were to rank the four 2D Metroid games that I have finished, because I've never finished the first one, if I ever do that, I think I'll probably use like a map for it, like just have a map up because it's really difficult to do otherwise. And because you were sort of expected, um, it's not quite, I mean, the original Legend of Zelda is not quite as guilty of this, I think, as the original Metroid, but. You needed to basically create your own map and draw that thing so you knew where you've been and where you're going, especially because a lot of the many environments just look so samey, or not necessarily environments, but if you're in an area, a lot of those tunnels and caverns will look the same. But I'd love to finish that game someday and really give it its due. I mean, preferably, I'd love to have a copy of Metroid Zero Mission, which, I mean, back to the Nintendo thing, it's like, why don't we have that game available? Just put it on the service, Okay. Just put it on the dang service. Stop drip feeding us your consoles one by one. You know why they're doing it. So that something to look forward to in the future so you won't drop off. Um, Anyway, love to play Zero Mission or the first one. But if I I think if I had to rate these and, you know, I am I am guilty of recency bias here. Also, I played part of Fusion this year, probably about halfway through Um, after I finished Samus Returns, didn't quite finish it before Dread came out. Um, but I, you know, when re- in revisiting that game, I enjoyed it, but I definitely think I prefer um, the other three games, at least at the moment. I think it could leap over Samus Returns, but for me right now, it goes Dread, Super Metroid, Metroid 2 Samus Returns on the 3DS, and then Metroid Fusion for the Game Boy Advance. Um, yeah, like I said, those last two spots could swap, and I think even, you know, in the future, those first two spots could swap it. Those first two games could swap spots as well. Um, but yeah, just an amazing series. I, I was, um, and to even transition to my next thing I wanted to just briefly touch on, is that uh, I even was poking around in Metroid Prime uh, today and last night a little bit. I I have that game. I It's another eBay purchase from, like, 2019, you know, before the world was you know, what it is today, and I, uh, yeah, I'm sure you could say that about any year, but you know what I mean, um, a lot has changed over the last two and a half years, but I, uh, a year ago, right before Miles Morales and, uh, the PS5 came out, I, I think I had finished, I don't remember what game I had finished, uh, some PS4 game, but I was playing some PS4 stuff, and I got into, Metroid Prime, I like hooked up my Wii with the uh, component cables 
out in the living room, playing on this big old TV, just really enjoying Prime. I looked at my save file and I had, I was about 20% of the way through. I think that is as much, I mean, I think that just means what you've collected, which is in line with the rest of the series. I don't believe it was like, that's, I was like exactly one fifth of the way progress wise through the main story and campaign. But, um, man, what a game I love. I've talked recently about, especially on the co-op episode, you hear me discuss about how much I love first person story focused games, sort of RPG stuff where you're poking around and it's a lot more about exploring the combat and the shooting's important, but the focus is more about discovery and exploration and the characters and whatnot. Um, and this game's a lot of that and just poking around. I don't, I mean, I don't see myself playing it right now. I sort of want to save it for a later date, even if it's later this year. I, cause I want to play other things that are not just Metroid. Um, you know, considering those three of the recent games I finished up in Metroid games. Uh, but I've been poking around in it because pretty soon, we're going to be doing a, uh, coming up in November, a GameCube Space Solace episode on Video Games, a comedy show. If you're not familiar with Space Solace, uh, it's a format that I came up with uh, about three years ago for Jeremy's show, VGACS, Video Games, a comedy show, where it's essentially a fantasy island, uh, a fantasy f- draft meets a desert island format where we have a console that... Um, Six of us will draft our favorite games from it. We do a snake draft, so it goes one through six, and then six through one. Um, and we put it in a format where it's a uh, fictional, like we're we're in space. That's why, call, why it's called Space Solace, where we're going to be shot off into our own isolated spacecraft forever after we inevitably, every time, get hit by an asteroid. Um, so, uh, yeah, you end up with like five games from a console. You, you don't end up with all your faves because, you know, especially if you have... If you have the first pick, like on, uh, for example, what's the most recent one we did? Xbox, Halo 2 was the first pick by Mikey McCaller, friend of the show. And he didn't have a pick until the 12th pick after that because it snakes around. So it gets really interesting. We're doing a GameCube one that'll release on Monday, November 15th. We're going to stream that, which you'll be able to check out on my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash cons is cool 69. So if you follow me and you have notifications on, you'll see when we're doing that which will probably be the week before, probably that Friday. Um, Could be a different day. Depends on when we're all free. But because we are doing this episode, I've been watching a ton of GameCube videos. I've been, I last night finally just sat down and poked around in like five or six of the GameCube games that I have, which at this point I've got like 15 or so GameCube titles. And man, what a weird console where they really tried some stuff and not always successfully. Um, And not and not always perfect um which i mean no game is but man it's so much fun uh last night i was toying around with uh my most recent purchase which is mario superstar baseball on the gamecube such a fun game um i wish they would re- bring mario baseball back in some capacity they haven't had one since the wii i played tony hawk pro skater 3 i played the first level the like little factory i forget what it's exactly what it's called um it's my favorite tony hawk game I also uh, popped in uh, oh Star Wars Rogue Leader, which is Rogue Squadron 2, the second in the series. Oh, love a good Star Wars space shooter. I just played the Death Star opening level 
that game sure is fun, and I sure do like Star Wars. It's awesome. Um, and looks just beautiful. It's, it's a launch game for the GameCube, and it's one of the most beautiful games on the system, I think. Uh, I also turned on... Um, what was that other game that I turned on? Oh, my gosh. Another game that I loved that I got last year. Spider-Man 2 for the GameCube. The game... You know, Spider-Man 1 was successful, um, but 2 was the one that, like, really... I feel like was the first one that people were like, wow, this really got swinging right. And now we have the new Spider-Man game. I think those are better, uh, at least just in the swinging department and overall. But, man, it's cool. And I might actually poke around in that a little bit. I love that. It's because it's based off the movie Tobey Maguire's doing the voice acting for Spider-Man. Um, Alfred Molina's doing Doc Ock. It's, it's so cool. It's also janky. It's from 2002. Like, what do you expect? Um at least I think it was 02, maybe 03. Uh, and lastly was Metroid Prime. That was the game I I just played, like, the opening sequence in and finished that this morning, got to the Talon Overworld and the Chozo Ruins. But yeah, the GameCube. I uh, just, like, I don't know if, I don't think it's my favorite console. Uh, I think the N64 remains my fave as far as, like, the library and and whatnot. But, man, the GameCube was, like, great. Probably Nintendo's best third-party games. The best third-party games that were ever on a Nintendo system, I think, were on that one. Because you still had, like, the best sports games. Um, and there's so many I didn't even name that I'm going to get into. But, yeah, it's just awesome. Um, anyway, that's going to do it for this episode of Call Me By Your Game. I, th- I hope that you as a listener had fun listening to me on this extended nearly hour-long diatribe just talking about things I've been thinking about in games a little bit. There's some other stuff that I didn't discuss that just thoughts I don't really have fully formed that I didn't feel like tossing out here, even though I kind of do that regularly anyway. But yeah, I hope this was fun. Uh, let me know what you thought about it. There's going to still be a, a nice uh, post on Twitter and Instagram, so be sure to give us a follow there. Um, and yeah, if you like these things, I could make them not more of a regular thing because I this game I really do want to focus on me talking to a guest, to different people about the wide experiences that so many of us have had. But it could be something I do twice a year. Um, I don't know, maybe three times. But if this was like, you know what, once a year is good, then maybe I'll keep it that way because <laughs> I could see this getting a little tired for, for a lot of people. Um, yeah, really appreciate you. Really appreciate... Uh, everybody who listens to this show, this is, you know, I, I feel like I rush through this every time I have uh, a guest on the show because I don't want to spend, I, th- I don't know why, I should just like take my time with thanking people and being grateful, but um, yeah, um, you know, thankful to everyone who listens to this show, for those of you, even, even if you're not a part of the Patreon, it means a lot, uh, like you just tuning in to listen to it, uh, means that you must like something that we're doing here and I really appreciate that. Um anyway, that'll go ahead and do it. Uh I'm going to go ahead and wrap up with some uh plugs of my own that we usually do at the end of the show. And of course, I still have uh you know, something that I was doing last year. We've been doing it since I just don't announce it anymore. Is if you have uh if there are there are, you know, many like world issues and stuff country specific that I really want that I feel really encouraged to direct people to so check the show notes I always have 
action items there. They can feel samey for a few months at a time, but I do try to change them every so often when things come up. So be sure to check that. There's some even reading material, some ways you can support people. But yeah, um, as far as plugs go, uh, the cover art for this show, if you haven't seen it, it's gorgeous. I mean, look at it in your podcast app. Uh, look us up on social media. You'll see it. It's done by Glenn Jay. He's a wonderful artist uh, from Australia. You can find his other incredible work on Instagram. Give him a follow. Give him a like. Shout him out. Support him. Be cool. He's at Glenn with two N's dot J-A-Y. Um, you can check out all the stuff he does. Uh, I've talked about it a million times, but check us out on Patreon. We're at patreon.com slash super NPC radio. Consider, uh, supporting us and subscribing. Even if it's at the mailroom toad tier, the $5 tier, that still goes a long way and you'll get super NPCs every month. And if you hit the next tier up, you get like four new shows. So we really put a lot of incentive in that $10 DJ toad tier. So again, that's patreon.com slash super NPC radio, especially if you like me. You'll like what you find there. Um, the show is produced by Jeremy Schmidt. Shout out to you, Jeremy, for putting this thing together. Jeremy is, you know, does so much for us, not only producing our the show and editing it every week for me, putting music to it, making sure everything is lined up, uh, but, you know, sends me the link to our episode so I can actually post it. Uh, so, Jeremy, shout out to you, buddy. Really couldn't do it without you, and I wouldn't want to do it without you, so... Uh, means a lot to have your support. So yeah, give Jeremy show a follow. If you happen to not listen to video games, a comedy show, it's a sister show, a part of also part of super NPC radio, check it out. It's hilarious. Um, Jeremy recently had friend of the show, Tyler Schnupp on, and they just talked about the N64 online and other things. It was truly a great listen. So give them some love over there. Um, I'm on social media, Connor underscore McCabe, uh, both Twitter and Instagram. So you can give me a follow if you'd like. Uh, and then, yeah, like I said on Twitch, I, I've been really eager to get back into streaming, and, um, so I might do it soon. You can follow me at twitch.tv slash consiscool69. That will do it for this Connor solo episode of Call Me By Your Game, the autumn gaming check-in. We will see you on the next one. The Falling Drift by the window The autumn leaves Of red and gold I see your Summer kisses The sunburned hands I used to hold Since you went away The days grow long